I have been meaning to talk to you guys about email marketing for a long time. The fact of the matter is I am a giant believer in the power of email above just about every other medium to truly connect with and sell to good potential clients. But I think it is an extremely underutilized or at least inconsistently utilized medium by photographers. So several times I have thought about creating a podcast episode and then gotten kind of overwhelmed with where do I start? What do I talk about first? Because there's a lot to it. However, this is exactly the sort of thing where perfect becomes the enemy of good. And you don't need to wait for your email list set up to be perfect in order to make good use of getting it started. So I figured I should take my own advice and go ahead and get you guys started with some kind of podcast interview rather than wait for the perfect podcast solution to present itself. But actually, once I decided to make this episode... I think the perfect episode did come together because I had the distinct pleasure of connecting with Sabrina Pies Crawford, who is the head of marketing for Flowdesk. As you guys know, Flowdesk is the email service provider that I use and love and highly recommend. So to get to talk to Sabrina was a huge plus. And today she is sharing some of her best tips and strategies for getting started with and maintaining a solid email marketing strategy for your business. And although today's discussion is relevant no matter which email service provider you're using, if you would like to try Flowdesk, be sure to sign up using the link that I'm providing in the show notes because that link will give you 50% off the price. Welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. My name is Anami Tonkin, and I help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. Each week on the podcast, I cover simple, actionable strategies and systems that photographers at every level of experience can use to earn more money in a more sustainable way. Running a photography business doesn't have to be that hard. You can do it. And I can show you how. Sabrina, it is so great to have you on This Can't Be That Hard. Thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. No, I feel like I'm in the presence of greatness. I have been a Flowdesk user now for uh, two and a half, three years. And here you are, the director of marketing. That's such a, it's such a, it seems like it's such a cool job. I feel like Flowdesk does a really amazing job of uh, bringing the sort of boring, dry subject of marketing to life with really beautiful templates and interfaces. And I feel like it has opened a whole world of opportunity up to the sort of creatives out there who are trying to run businesses. Because I think, you know, when you're trying to do a newsletter and you're feeling totally uninspired by the aesthetics of it, it's kind of hard to, to get any traction. So I have been excited about this conversation for a long time. And I figure we can kind of dive right in. I would love to have you just start off by giving us kind of a summary of what you feel like the argument is for creatives or people who serve, you know, in a creative space who might tend to generally focus on social media, things like Instagram, where their platform is more visual, why they should invest the time and effort into email marketing at all. Right. 
And that's kind of one of the biggest questions we we get. And it's a valid one, right? For all the reasons you state, especially when your business is so visual, like photography businesses are. Um, And what I will say is like Instagram and like social media platforms definitely have their place in a business owner's toolkit. It just shouldn't be the primary or the only, only marketing tool that they have. And that's kind of where we see people kind of get stuck in their growth or start to get frustrated with the algorithm. And that's really like where the super strengths of email come in. And so the strengths of Instagram are the discoverability aspect and being able to connect with your target audience. So that's amazing. That's a great thing that happens and you're sharing your content there. Um, But what tends to happen is that the attention and these connections stay on this platform And, um, you know, if someone's not on the platform that much, or if they're just following a ton of people, they like your content, they start following you, but they're following so many other people, they might not see your content that often. And so you're forgotten about, um, or they see your content and they like it, but the way that the platform is designed because Instagram wants it to be very sticky. They want to keep their users on Instagram, your users might, your um, followers might see your content and like it, but they're not going to take that action that you want or that you need to grow your business. So if your goal is to book more photography sessions or to sell a photography course or a photography ebook, you know, you're not going to see that level of click through um, and that kind of urgency. Whereas with email, it's a much more quiet platform. Um, you know, with Instagram, you open it and you're doing like the board scroll that, you know, we're all guilty of doing. But on email, you're going with this like um, information seeking mindset where it's a quieter platform. There's not distractions. There's no, um, this person's going live. This person hasn't posted in a while. It's just an email to you that you have asked for to receive. And so you're going to it with a different mindset and you're more likely to, to not be doing a board scroll and to be more like, okay, I'm interested in that. I'm going to click here. And email is all optimized for you to do that versus an Instagram. If you want to make it super easy for someone to click through, that's what ads are for. And then you're having to spend money on that, which is which is hard for a small business owner who doesn't have the budget. Absolutely. I gave a talk at this conference that I run called The Family Narrative uh, this past year about email marketing. And I... Um, made this whole sort of funny or tried to be funny uh, metaphor of Instagram is like being at the club, like chilling in the club kind of thing. And there's all these people and it's like dark and you're trying to get attention and hook up with somebody. Um, Whereas email to me is sort of the like, great, I like you. Let me get your number so that we can like connect. Let's go have a date. Like let's actually meet up and and connect on a more one-to-one because I do feel like in with social media, you're talking to a broader audience and you're trying, you know, even someone who knows that they're getting an email that's going out to multiple people, it still feels like a more one-to-one platform versus Instagram, where you can look and see other people have replied, other people have liked. So whereas social media has a little bit of that like social proof piece to mm-hmm. it with email, you do have that intimacy that I think that um, in our industry where you really are relying on trust and, um, and a more personal connection, because hopefully someone is going to hire you to either 
come into their home or be there with them on their wedding day or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you're offering as a photographer, um, it is typically a pretty close connection. So to, uh, to establish that relationship is a lot easier to me via email than it is um, in the, the wide world of Instagram or Facebook. Right. I love that analogy. I've never, I've never heard that, but I really love that. Um, it paints a very good picture. And I also just want to say, like, if you're, if you're dancing with people in the club and then you find, I love you find that you're someone, taking that and running with it. <laughs> you find someone and you want to connect with them deeper, right? So that's like your ideal client. Um, you're going to run out of time at the club to, to, to talk and connect with all the people you want to connect with. Whereas an email, another great part of it is that you can give each person the same exact experience that you would give to them if you could clone yourself and be like, okay, this is who I am. This is what I specialize in. This is how I can help you. Here's what I've done in the past. And you can serve that up to all the people that are interested in what you have to offer in the same exact way and give them that wonderful, great experience. Exactly. And that actually brings me to the next thing that I wanted to talk to you about, which is what email marketing is. I think that that sort of confuses a lot of people because we're all used to logging into Gmail and, you know, sending out an email. But the idea of setting up what many people would call a marketing funnel in an email platform like uh, Flowdesk is, I think, a little bit of a mystery to some people. So I would love for you to kind of walk us through what the difference is between just standard email versus email marketing. Right. Yes. So email marketing is like any other form of marketing that um, we do as small business owners, like Instagram marketing, what we do there. Um, And so I like to always start with a goal. And so um, a common marketing goal could be to grow your business, to make more sales, to get more clients, to get better clients. So as long as you're starting with a goal, those are all things that email marketing can help you with. And so it starts with starting to build your email list so that you have people to email. And you want to make sure that you're you're building your list and attracting people to it who are your ideal customers. So if you are a fine art wedding photographer, you know, you're not going to want to go after people who are looking for budget weddings. You want to really cater to um, people who are interested in that kind of aesthetic you offer. And so um, you want to attract the right people to your list and create that list and then start emailing them regularly. And so I think some people think it's like, okay, when I have a sale, I'm going to email, I'm going to email my list. And that's a, that's a piece of it. But um, that's kind of like when you have a friend that only calls you when they need help moving and, you know, no one likes that friend. And so um, part of the art of email marketing is to be consistently emailing them um, things that are educational, inspiring, or entertaining. And then on top of that, you can sprinkle in um, some of your sales emails. And the great thing about um, content that's entertaining, educational, or inspiring is that you're already creating it for your Instagram And remember, like 5% of the people who follow you are seeing your content. So you can repurpose that content and just take that and put it into an email and you have your email content. Absolutely. I'm all about the repurposing strategy. And I like to remind people too, a lot of photographers, most, the vast majority, I would say, of photographers really are marketing to a local 
audience uh, in terms of the people who they are going to ultimately work for and work with versus on social media where you can get sort of an inflated sense of the numbers when you have a thousand followers or a couple thousand followers. If those people are spread out all over the world, it doesn't really serve you and your bottom line. But when you are uh, cultivating an email list filled with true ideal clients and you're attracting them in a way that, you know, maybe specifically attracts people who are local and who are qualified, then um, then you have a much higher percentage of your list, no matter what size it is, who might go on to actually hire you. That's such a good point. Yeah. Um, and actually, I would love to talk a little bit about that, about list size, because I think that's another thing that people get kind of hung up on is like, well, you know, I have some clients, some former clients, and they're on my email list. And maybe I put up like a little freebie or an uh, email sign up form on my website. So I have, let's say, 50 people on that list. But that just seems like a waste of my time and effort to to even bother emailing to them. What would you say to people who are feeling kind of stuck on the small list issue? I would say a couple of things. I would say the first thing is that we all have to start somewhere. Even if you have, you know, thousand and up um, Instagram following size, you know, at one point you didn't and you had 50 people, you know, you had your grandma and your mom. Mm -hmm. So we all start somewhere and we have to keep building that muscle And like you said, you know, you might have a really healthy, big um, Instagram following, but who are actually the ones that are going to convert into paying clients. And so we need to think about the quality as well. And not just, you know, the vanity metrics of how many people are on our list. Um, And then also going back to the quality, it's like, you can know two people and then you can get five more clients and relationships out of that. So really, really focusing on the quality, um, For me, it's like I worked with one person doing some freelance copywriting and then she just kind of spread the word. So even if you have a small list, big things can grow out of that. Um, And if you have past clients on your list, you can be emailing for testimonials, um, asking for referrals, sending out, you know, and it just kind of like keeps people in touch with what you have to offer and offer more opportunities for growth for you. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I also think that it to your point about vanity metrics it's um it's also kind of an addiction issue <laughs> when we talk about social media and you know we're on there and we get sucked into the scroll and there's that so there's this sense of like it's just easier to check in there every day cuz you're basically addicted to doing it versus mm-hmm. email which feels a little bit more like you're operating in a vacuum until you start to get people who are responding to your emails or booking you based on an email. Um, And that, you know, that it does to me, it's like, once you turn that corner, then you really see the value, but you have to put in the work and it does a little bit feel like you're operating in a void until, until you do reach that corner. Totally. Yeah. And I, I promise like, if you just keep at it and put in CTAs, like reply back to me, what do you do think you're going to start getting those replies? If you're putting in the same effort of, of, you know, creating this kind of content that you are into your Instagram posts. And remember, you can just repurpose. So you don't have to spend a lot of time on that. Don't have to reinvent the wheel. Absolutely. Well, let's switch a little bit from why we should use email as a marketing tool to kind of the nuts and bolts of 
how to go about doing that. Let's say that somebody is starting from scratch. Maybe they have 10 emails that they feel comfortable putting on their email list. Where do you start? What do you do? The very first thing is you want to start, um, you know, growing your list. And so the way to do that is, yes, you could have a form on your website or something that says, sign up for my newsletter and I'm going to send you updates. But if you think about it, you know, you probably won't want to sign up for someone's newsletter unless it's like, you know, Michelle Obama, then of course, but um, a lot of us need some kind of incentive to sign up for newsletters these days. And so the best way to do that is to offer a freebie that you can give to your subscriber in exchange for their email address. And so this could be just something short, but it needs to be very valuable. Mm -hmm. And it could just be a couple of pages. You can create this in Canva or Illustrator. And just think about who your target audience is, like, who do you want to get on your list? Let's say you want, you know, those high paying, um, like luxury clients for your fine art business. Then you want to think about, okay, what are like the FAQs these people have for me that I'm often getting? Like, you know, what kinds of um, poses should I be thinking? Or how do I find the right photographer, like that right fit for me? Um, Think about these kind of FAQs that they have and turn one of those FAQs into um, a value-packed freebie. So answer that FAQ, give lots of tips, um, almost to the point where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm giving away almost the whole kit and caboodle, but then make sure it's related to what you have to offer. And then um, don't give away so much that they become like a fine art writing pro themselves and can take their own pictures, but make it so it leaves a little bit of an opening for your next touch your next email with them saying, okay, you've seen my freebie on these 10 poses. Um, let's do like a practice shoot, schedule some time with me here for an engagement session or something like that. And it just is a nice lead into what you have to offer. Yeah. So that's like the first step. Yeah. And on, I'm just going to tag onto that freebie concept that because most of our businesses are local, if you can make your freebie relevant to your local audience, um, you will help yourself build a list that is more, it may, it may grow a little slower, but it will help you um, bring more actual qualified clients um, or potential clients onto your list versus, you know, if your freebie goes viral on Pinterest, I mean, that may be great for SEO, but you're also going to have a list that will be fewer you know, percentage wise, a lower percentage of, um, of people who are potentially actually going to hire you. It's not bad. All, all, you know, all eyes on your list are good eyes, but, um, but it, I like adding the local element as well. That's great. Yeah. That's a great tip. So once you've created this freebie, what's the next step, um, in actually getting it out there? Right. So, um, you want to, put that, you want, you want to create a form so that people can give you their email. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can use, you know, any kind of form builder you want. Floatisk happens to have form templates that make it very easy to design your form. And even if you don't have a website yet, you can use the Floatisk full page form. And that just gives you a unique URL that you can use anywhere. So you can be talking about it on, on your Instagram, dropping it in your link in your bio, making a Pinterest pin for it. Um, and then people go to the form and they give you, you know, you can promote your whole freebie there and then they give you your email address. And, um, from there, you'll want to automate it. So when you see, you know, Sarah has 
signed up for your list, you don't have to be at your computer forwarding your freebie to her. Um, you can create a workflow. That's what we call it in um, Flowdesk. And it's basically an automation. It's very easy to set up. It's very visual, but you'll say, okay, when this person signs up for this form, now I'm going to give them this email. That's like, Hey, welcome to my list. Here's that freebie you signed up for. You just, you know, highlight, you know, where that download button is and then link it to your PDF or upload the PDF as an attachment. And that's all you have to do to start growing your list. So that's the very first steps. Hang on, guys. I have a quick message for you. Did you know that This Can't Be That Hard isn't the only podcast I host? Each month, my marketing director, Dana, and I team up to bring you a fresh injection of marketing ideas and inspiration on our other podcast called The Consistency Club. The podcast is free and available to any photographer looking to uplevel their marketing game, or you can take it one step further and join The Consistency Club, where you get the extended version of the podcast along with monthly email and social media templates, bonus trainings, and special access to the live marketing events we host twice a year. If you're interested in tuning in, you can search for and subscribe to The Consistency Club wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to join us in the membership, you can visit go.thiscantbethathard.com slash club to sign up. Right. And the amazing thing with Flowdesk is that those workflows, not only can you set them up quickly, but then you can modify them over time. You can add to them over time. One of the Mm -hmm. things that I love to recommend is like, get that freebie together. Don't waste too much time. Just like get it started. You can always go tweak that as well. But then when you build that um, workflow, if it starts out as just a deliver the freebie in an email, and then, you know, if you add just like, and then keep them there for 10 days, great. Two days later, you can go in and write a second follow-up email and then a Mm -hmm. third follow-up email, that nurture sequence that you build. And without having to um, have it all done at once, you can start the process and start bringing people in to your list. Totally. Yeah. Not that anybody should expect to build a freebie and then have a list of a hundred people right off the bat. (laughs) It can be, it can feel a little like, Hey guys, I have this thing. Sometimes it hits really well, but it also is a bit of a patience game. How do you recommend promoting your freebie once you've actually gotten to the point where you've made one? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, if you do have a website, then of course um, you can create pop-up forms or have inline forms. So anytime someone is on your website they can join your list. And this is great because you might have people, local people who are following you on Instagram and they're like, oh, cool. This Detroit photographer looks great. Um, And then they go to your website because they want to see more. Then they get distracted because they've got dinner going or their kids come home and they, you know, they click out of your website and they can't remember who you were. And that's a shame, right? And you had no idea that you had this, this potential client. And so if you have a way of capturing their attention, right then when they're interested. So they're on your website, but they're not quite ready to commit yet. You know, they're still maybe looking around. If you can say, have a pop-up that's like, Hey, before you go sign up for this, um, awesome freebie, then you have their email and you know who they are, and then you can start to nurture them. Um, so definitely adding forms to your website or adding a full, um, a link to your full page form, like in your navigation, um, adding it to your link in bio, making reels to talk about it. Um, 
So actually making content to support that saying like, Hey, I have this new thing. If you haven't gotten it yet, it's free, you know, really making it sound like it's a awesome thing that you want. I just signed up for someone's freebie and, um, she sells like three different books and this, her freebie was like a free book. And so it actually said out of stock, like join here by, and I was like, oh my gosh, I want this. It's out of stock. And even though I know, I'm like, <laughs> I know how the sausage is made, but I like really want this free book now. Um, so really make it enticing. And, um, you know, you can make reels about it. Um, TikToks, Pinterest pins, Pinterest pins are really great. Just make sure, you know, because pins do tend to like go viral. I love that um, making it local aspect, like 10 great spots in um, Duluth to get married, kind of things like that. Um, So actually talking about it anywhere, I've seen people have it in um, their email signature Mm -hmm. and you're thinking, okay, well, someone already has my email, but if someone is um, talking with you kind of like one-on-one, you need them to explicitly opt into your list to actually be able to legally email them marketing emails. Mm -hmm. So having that in your email signature as well is another way to grow your email marketing list. You know, I'm going to ask you a question that I don't know the full answer to uh, that I get asked sometimes, which is, and I'll preface this by saying, as far as I know, you're not a lawyer. Um, But the, uh, there is that question of like, can I take, you know, if I have no email list, can I start off with people who have hired me in the past or something like that, like a client list and put them into my email list and give them the option, like say, hi, I'm starting this email. If you'd like to opt out, you can do that at the bottom. Or is that a no-go? Do you need to to do that from the get-go from your Gmail? Yes. So it is not allowed um, with Flowdesk and, you know, actually any email <laughs> provider because of um, just GDPR rules. And mm-hmm. so you do need explicit um, consent from your, your customers, anybody who you want to send marketing emails. Mm-hmm. And this actually comes up a lot too with um, product customers that we have. Like, can I just email someone who has bought a product from me? And you always need to ask them, like, do you want to sign up for my email newsletter? Um, before you start emailing them. So, okay. So in that case, would your recommendation be if you're starting a list and you'd like to at least give your former clients the option to opt in, would you just say, create like a group email, like BCC all your former, former clients in your Gmail email client and say, Hey, you know, I've got this freebie (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I would love for you to sign up for and give them the opportunity in that way? Is that sort of the right path? Yeah, that would be a safe way. Um, again, you know, bet a ton of former clients follow you on Instagram. So talking about it there, sure. but definitely, yeah, feel free to reach out to them on your personal Gmail and promote that. Excellent. Okay, good. That's a, that's a helpful thing. I feel like that's a little bit of a gray area for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not the lawyers, but lots of other people. Um, good. Okay. So once you've got people starting to sign up and maybe you've built a little bit of a nurture sequence where you're introducing yourself and that sort of thing, what are your best practices in terms of frequency of emails? Like how regularly does someone need to sit down at their computer and come up with new content? Mm-hmm. It really depends on, you know, your own, um, whatever level you're comfortable with. And so, if it is every day, 
that's probably <laughs> too much for a lot probably of people. Overkill. <laughs> so I would say at the very minimum, once a month, like if you're going beyond once a month, people are going to start to forget who you are. They might start flagging you as spam or just mm-hmm. finding you not as engaging. So at least once a month. Uh, but if you could do, you know, every two weeks or once a week, just try to find a cadence that works for you and that you can stick with. And then um, you can always start to increase it as well. And if you're worried, like, am I annoying people? Then you just keep an eye on your performance metrics and see if people are reading your emails, if they're um, clicking through on and finding interest, what you have to say that way, or if your unsubscribes and spam complaints are going up. So that's how you can kind of keep track of that. Yeah. And I do want to take a second to talk about unsubscribes and people, you know, they get their feelings hurt, quite mm-hmm. honestly, about having someone unsubscribe from their list. What is... What's your thought process on that? Unsubscribes. I mean, I'm a pretty sensitive person. And so um, I'll say this, I'll say it's normal to get your feelings hurt because it is like a tiny, tiny bit of rejection. Um, But I think it is healthy because you want to spend all your time and effort reaching out and talking to people who really are interested in what you have to say. And so I know it like stings a little bit, but just try to remember, like, it's a way of cleaning your list that you're only really talking to people who are going to help you grow your business. Um, And personally, like I had a client I worked with and she unsubscribed from my emails and I was really sad and I thought, oh my gosh, maybe I offended her or something. But then I posted the same content on Instagram, right? Repurposing as our friend. And she responded to that and she was like, oh, really? And she like was totally engaged. And I was like confused because that same content was in the email that she unsubscribed from. So it, it could be a number of things. Like maybe she just doesn't want to hear from me on email. She wants to hear from me. So don't be offended. You know, people still love you. It just, you want to be nurturing the people who are at a point where they can help you grow your business and want to hear from you. Yeah. Absolutely. And I also look at it as a perfect way to combat your own self-doubt about like, am I annoying people? Because the fact of the matter is that if you are annoying someone, and it's I use the word annoying in air quotes because it's probably not so much annoying as your what you're talking about or what you're offering is no longer relevant to them. Um, if they unsubscribe, or they will unsubscribe if that's the case. And that means that all the people who are still on your list are keen to hear from you. Like you're delivering good value for them. So I just figure it's a way for someone to self-select. But I think it's an important point that you're making about if your unsubscribe numbers are going up or if you Mm -hmm. see a trend, then there's something to consider about, well, what's the value of the content I'm delivering? Is my freebie bringing in the right, people to my list, all those kinds of things. But the data is there to to help you guide those decisions. You don't have to rely just on your sometimes overactive imagination. Right. Yeah. Well, good. Um, So I know we talked about repurposing content for those emails, but what else? Like what, you know, if you're not running sales all the time and Mm -hmm. you probably shouldn't be anyway, but um, what should people, what should photographers, if you can get that specific, I know you're not a photographer, but um, what should we be sending people emails about? Yeah, I think, you know, FAQs are always a thing. So if you're um, 
your people going jumping onto your list are people who you want to nurture to become a client, you can keep answering FAQs, things that you know um, people at that stage have and you want to kind of address so that they get closer and closer to booking you. So answering more FAQs. Um, again, on the inspiring educational content, you can be doing recaps of weddings that you just had. So like, that's like proof points. You can be sharing testimonials. You can be sharing um, before and after tips, really showcasing your expertise. Like, you know, you can do something kind of dramatic, but like, okay, here's um, a before shot. And then here's after my art direction. Like this is what the shot became. So you can be showing, showcasing your expertise in a way that helps educate as well. Um, And then success stories, you know, people always want to hear like, what, what challenge you solve for someone like, Oh, I thought I was unphotographable. And then you have a client that's like, I am, I feel beautiful. Like with this person's, you know, boudoir photography, like I just feel so much better in my skin. Um, so sharing client success stories as well. Yeah. And I know that you personally are kind of a, you do, you have your hands in a few different pies. You've got the flow desk marketing work, and then you do copywriting coaching. Am I correct on that? Yeah. Content strategy, content strategy. Uh And then, um, and then for, but specifically for blogging, right? Um, it's for small business owners. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, cause there's, we talked about repurposing from social media, but there are so many different places that one can draw content from. Mm -hmm. Um, and whereas I think that, you know, people fear like, well, that seems like it's kind of repetitive. Somebody's just going to feel like I'm not adding value. Um, I think that the likelihood that someone is consuming all of your different content in all the different places is pretty low. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Talk to me a little bit about that. Talk to me about content strategy and sort of how far in advance do you recommend that someone sort of plan out their newsletter strategy? I think it's good to think about, okay, you know, what are your goals around like seasonality things? Like, you know, summer is going to be a big month for this or uh, beginning of the year, holiday photos, things like that. So if you can kind of um, create content around those to support, you know, reaching your goals around there. Mm -hmm. Um, But then other than that, I think that there's something really cool about just, you know, living your life as a business owner, working with your clients and then pulling like from actual things that are happening in your life and sharing with those in sort of real time. Um, it just feels really relevant and fresh and like you're bringing your, your, um, your list along with you for the ride. And so that's really cool. And so I wouldn't overthink it so much. Um, as long as you're not like, oh my gosh, it's the night before my email is supposed to go out, you know, try it in a, like a week in advance to be thinking about that content, spending just a little bit of time writing, writing it down, um, so that you're not stressing yourself out. Yeah. It also, I think it depends on how frequently you're emailing. I, with the podcast, I send out a weekly email and that is usually a lot more off the cuff than my photography newsletter, which because I send it less frequently is more, you know, I have to be more thoughtful because it's the same amount of space, but I need to make sure I'm hitting all the topics that I want to hit. So mm-hmm. good point. that's another way to think about it. When you do start creating content, we talked a little bit about unsubscribes. What other ways can you tell what's resonating with people and sort of continue to, to give people what they want? 
Yeah. So you have your um, opens. And so that is like speaking to you about um, the power of the subject line and the preview text, which is what appears in people's inbox right after the subject line. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that drawing people, is that piquing people's interest? Is that drawing them in and getting them to open the newsletter in the first place? So that's one thing. Um, your click-through rates, if you say like, I've got this amazing blog post, are you presenting it in a way that is interesting with the right visuals that makes people want to click through to read more? Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely your clicks. And, you know, we talked about the spam and the unsubscribe. So those are your, your main ways. And then also if you say like, reply back to me, are people responding back to you? How many actual responses are you getting? And then you can also always do a survey. So you can say like, are you liking this content? What else do you want to hear from me? Or just ask it in the email itself. What else do you want to hear from me and see what replies you get? Yeah. Which is a hard, that's until you have, I don't know even what the number is, but, uh, that level of engagement, having someone actually hit the reply button is sort mm-hmm. of the gold standard. Um, and if someone is going so far as to hit reply, I would say don't ever miss the opportunity to engage back with them. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, because that is that is what we call a very warm lead, I suppose. Well, cool. So let's talk about the fun stuff because I think this is really where Flowdesk shines. Any email, any old email can uh, can get you some basic data on open rates and things like that. But Flowdesk really makes it fun to write emails that are fun to read. Um, they, you know, they're pretty, they have nice font options. You can make everything colorful. Um, what are some design tips that you have for, for getting emails that people are kind of, they're not going to unsubscribe because they just enjoy seeing them? Mm-hmm. I um I'm on someone's email list and I love the format of how she does it because you want to make sure you are including not just images because that can get flagged as spam. Mm -hmm. Um, So you want to make sure you're doing a mix of text and images. And so what she does is she actually uses our our layouts, which are, um, it's something we have in our email builder and it makes it so that it's like a collage. So you don't need to go out into Illustrator or Photoshop or Canva to create a graphic. Like you can have um, overlapping images, images with text on it. It's like a little mini collage. Um, and so she does that in the opening to really grab attention and just a little bit of text for each. And then she expands on the theme of what she has presented visually in text. So that's kind of how she hits that nice um, ratio. And then, um, you know, using our layouts, just supporting what you have to say with images, which will be very easy for photographers because, mm-hmm. you know, very visual based. Um And then, you know, also movement. Movement is a great way to capture attention. And so we have this new integration with with Giphy. And so if you're like, I have great news, you can include something that like um, exudes that emotion with a GIF very easily. I am a giant GIF nerd. (laughs) You must love the GIF. There are GIFs in all of my emails. I love them to death. Um, Yeah. So that is something that I imagine is either it's a love hate thing. People feel one way or the other about them, but I do, I feel like they, it's almost like emojis in your text messaging. You know, it's like kind of underscores the, the feeling that you're trying to convey. Mm-hmm. So super excellent. Um, what about just some final thoughts on the rationale for photographers to like put in the work? Do you have any fun stories to share or data to share about 
the difference, you know, an email marketing in general can make in a small business? Well, I just encourage people to keep at it. You know, even if you have 30 people on your list, you know, the impact that email is going to have is just so much greater. So, you know, we'll do like a quick uh, numbers exercise, but let's say you have a thousand people following you on Instagram and, you know, roughly 5% of people see your content. So we'll give that, we'll make that generous and we'll say 10% of people see your content. That's um, a hundred people who see your content. I'm so terrible at math. I'm like, yes, that's correct. A hundred <laughs> people are it. seeing your content. Now, if you have a thousand people in your email list and you've been very careful to attract people that are local to you, and these are like real brides and families in your area, and you have a good open rate. So let's say 30%, which is almost kind of on average for our members. So let's just say 30%. 300 people are going to see your content and they're in a better mindset to take action, to actually learn more about you, read your blog posts, see your content, get to know you that way. Um, And so that's three times more interaction than you're getting on social media and in a different way. And you're able to show up in a quieter place. You're able to show up with um, alongside like the New York Times and like other huge brands without spending extra money for that placement. And I think that's just so huge. So I really encourage people um, to help them grow their businesses to use email. Yeah, absolutely. I also love the reminder that somebody gave me at one point, which is that even if someone doesn't open your email every single time, every time they see your name in their inbox, they are getting reminded of you. And with Instagram, you know, we're talking about a 30% open rate for email, but let's assume that 80% of the people who receive your emails see it in their email feed. Um, So your name is popping up in front of their eyes. Whereas on Instagram, that's literally just those hundred people are even seeing your name. So Mm -hmm. it's uh, it's just a good reminder. You talked earlier about if um, somebody likes your stuff on Instagram and then they go to your website, but then they click away and they've forgotten your name. We've all had a situation where we're like, what was that? I do this now because they have gotten really good at serving me ads that I'm interested in. (laughs) And I'll be like, oh, yeah, there's that thing. I want to get that. And if I can't remember what it is, I have to wait for the next time that Instagram like algorithms, you know, shows it up or uh, serves it up to me. So I just feel like email gives you so much more control. I'm a big believer. You're preaching to the choir here for sure. No, I love that. And it's true because um, I am on a list and I don't open all the emails just because I'm busy or whatever. But when I do, I really like them. But you're so right because she in her her from name, it's not just her first and last name. She does Gabby because we can events. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, okay, Gabby, because we can events. Like it's just branded in my brain. And it's like every single ping is just a little reminder, keeps them top of mind for me. Exactly. I love that. That's great. Oh, that's so good. Excellent. Well, Sabrina, we didn't really get into any of the stuff that you offer. Tell us where we can find you outside of Flowdesk, and then we'll talk a little bit about Flowdesk as well. Yeah. So you can find me at Quiet Like Horses, Q-U-I-E-T, likehorses.com. And so if you want to see what a real life Flowdesk form looks like, go through a workflow, how to present your form, you can sign up there and go through um, the experience. And no hard feelings. If you sign up, you just want to see what it's like and then unsubscribe, right? I'm working on building my muscle to not be offended. Right. Um, and then you can also find me on Instagram at Quiet Like Horses as well. 
Yeah, I um, will go ahead and give my own testimonial on that, which is that I signed up for your, once we arranged this conversation, I signed up for your email list. Um, and for anybody who is interested in seeing a pro at work, Sabrina's is great. Her nurture sequence is great. So um, yeah, highly recommend on that. Thank you. And then um, for anyone out there who is listening, who is not yet signed up for a, um, an email service provider or who isn't happy with theirs, I highly recommend Flowdesk. If you're on my email list, they're all sent by Flowdesk. And um, you can see if you're interested in trialing it, you can, there's a link at the bottom of my, of my email. Um, but it's just flodesk.com. Sabrina, thank you so much for coming on today. It has been a pleasure getting to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. That was really fun. Oh, good. Well, have a wonderful day and hopefully we'll see you again around here soon. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this week's episode of This Can't Be That Hard. I'll be back same time, same place next week. In the meantime, you can find more information about this episode, along with all the relevant links, notes, and downloads at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash learn. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Even better, share the love by leaving a review in iTunes. And as always, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic week.